0: guys doing? It's Pastor Josh here, and I want to welcome you to Downey First Christian Church. We are online now. We've been online for a few weeks now. We're kind of getting used to this, but not too used to it, because uh, as you've probably heard, we're getting ready to reopen here uh, in the next few weeks. We don't know exactly when, but uh, it's going to happen hopefully sooner than later. So uh, I ask you to be praying for us as we make decisions to move forward and uh, making decisions as to when the right time Is. Uh, I want to welcome you. Hey, if you're here for the first time, we are especially glad that you've decided to spend this Sunday morning with us. Um, Maybe you're watching this for the first time and you're wondering about our church. You know, when do we meet? What do we do? Um, We are Downey First Christian Church and uh, we exist to love God, love people, and serve the world. And we are so glad that you're here with us for the first time and our desire for you is that you'll make Jesus the Lord of your life. Now, I don't want that to be sort of like in your face that you have to do this, but it's been such an incredible change for us in our lives to experience Christ that we want that for you when the time is right. That's number one. Number two is that you'll make the decision, hopefully to make Downey First Christian Church your church home so when we reopen our doors, hopefully sooner than later, uh, we hope to see you here. And we promise that we are going to make you feel right at home when you come and visit us, our services are, are at ten a.m. just like this broadcast, and uh, we're going to welcome you and we're going to make you feel right at home. So, uh, thank you for being here. For those of you who are here um, normally, you know every every Sunday you're part of our church. I want to ask you to share this video now. We, we talk about this every Sunday. We say, hey, if you're, you know, you're coming here, please uh, invite your neighbors because we're a church of wide open doors. But since we're online now, it makes it even easier. All you have to do, we've said this before, is push the share button, share it with your contacts on your phone, and let's spread the word about the hope that Christ gives us in our lives. Sound good? Sound good. I'm so happy to see you. Well, I can't actually see you. You're seeing me, but I'm imagining all of you Uh, watching this right now, and it's an honor for me to be able to bring the Word of God to you this morning. So we're going to go to Luke, Luke uh, chapter 10. Luke chapter 10, this is a great story. Starting in verse 25, I'm going to read through a few verses here, and you're going to realize that this is actually a familiar Parable. So here we go. Luke chapter 10, verse 25, starting in verse 25, says this. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. This, is, this was a lawyer, basically a lawyer. Teacher, he, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, and this is where the parable starts. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. And when he was was attacked by robbers, they stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled... Which of these three, he was asking the lawyer, which, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? Verse 37, he answers, the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This morning, I want to talk to you about the concept, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? That's the question that we're going to talk about this morning. But before that, we're going to go to our church announcements.
1: Hello, my name is Sarah. I'm part of the team at Downey First Christian Church, where we exist to love God, love people, and serve the world. Here are your announcements for May 24th. Now premiering our Sunday service right at 10am so that we can participate all together. If you log into YouTube a few minutes early, you will be able to chat along with our church family as we wait for service to start. Also in the links below, there is a place to share comments, concerns, and prayer requests. Please use it to communicate with us as you would with a physical connection card. It is a joy to hear about how our church family is caring for one another through our growth groups. While we had originally planned to take a break during the summer, we know that this is a vital way to stay connected. So we will continue using video conferencing technology to encourage, challenge, and uplift one another. And this is great news for those who are not yet connected in this way. You can join a group by signing up on our website, downyfirst.org. How are you serving those around you? Use the connect link below to share with us so we can all be encouraged and join together in being the church wherever we are. We have shared each week that over the past two months, Food Help has served an increasing number of people in need. And every week we see God show up. We have not run out of food because each week God provides. Every week people from our community donate groceries because they see that God is at work here. And every week we receive financial gifts to respond to the growing needs of Food Help. In fact, more than $40,000 have been given by our community to meet the needs of this crisis. A big way you can serve our church and local community is through your faithful giving. Food Help is a ministry of Downey First Christian Church, and it's only a part of what God is doing through our campus. Without financial commitments to DFCC, there wouldn't be leadership in place to direct and counsel the growth we are experiencing. And without your generosity to our church, we would not be able to meet needs beyond food. Remember that by using the giving link on our website, you are making an impact for the kingdom, both locally and globally. I invite you to join us in prayer, in reaching out to others, and in extending generosity for the needs of the kingdom so that many more will come to know the hope and love of Jesus. See you next time.
0: Have you ever looked at something and then once you get close to the thing that you're looking at, you realize that it's not what you thought it was? This happened to me a few years back. I was uh, in my father-in-law's house and I was, I was sitting in the living room and I looked over to the dining room table and on the table there was a plate and on this plate there was all kinds of different types of chocolates. And I'm not really a chocolate person, but it was, it was so diverse and there were so many different colors. That seemed so attractive to me that I, I walked over. And I'm like, I'm going to have a piece of chocolate. And I went over there and I realized that it wasn't what I thought it was. It was just this like bunch of rocks they had different colors and it was like a decorative rock formation which it's so weird cuz I'd actually seen it before it was familiar to me but for some reason and that I to this day don't understand when I was sitting in the living room looking over it looked like chocolates to me now that's a strange story but the reason why I thought of that story and the reason why I bring it up today is because because in a way, that's exactly what Jesus would do. You see, what Jesus would do is, is he, would, he would not reveal necessarily something that was new, like, like something that, w- that no one had ever heard before. Uh, he would show people something that had always been there since the beginning, but that people were seeing it for what it was not. And so in the same way that I walked over and realized, oh, these aren't chocolates, you know, many times what Jesus would do as he was teaching is he wouldn't reveal something new. He would just show what the thing really was, what the teaching really was, what the principle really was. And so as I preach to you, And as we discover what the Bible says, it's very important for you to understand that that I don't intend to bring anything new. I don't intend to to, to show you something that is not in scripture. What I wanna do Sunday by Sunday, you guys need to help me with this, Um, is that I will bring out what the scripture says and that there's a possibility that maybe you've looked at it before and you thought that it was something else. But then when you hear a message that you'll be able to understand, oh, that's what it really means. So this discovery is so important that we do it as we study scripture, as we listen to these messages, because it's what Jesus actually did over and over again. You see it throughout the whole Bible. You will see Jesus' teaching and when he teaches, the reason why people were so impressed and surprised is because the Bible says that he taught like one who had authority. In other words, he would, he would show something they, they had heard their whole lives. But then he would explain it in a way that would shed light on it. And all of a sudden, they're like, man, we always thought that this was this. But it turns out that it's that. And so this is what I want to do when I preach. That's what Jesus did when he taught, and it's exactly what was happening in the story that we just read. You see, when Jesus would teach, there were people, and he would say this, you have eyes, but you don't see. You have ears, but you don't hear. And so Jesus would bring this truth, and he would reveal it. And this made a lot of people really nervous, especially the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees and the teacher of the law and the Sadducees, what they wanted to do is they wanted to take away the authority of Jesus because what Jesus was doing is he was gathering this following and they became nervous. And so they would come up to Jesus and sometimes they would do it violently and very obvious for everyone to see to where they would just start like yelling things at Jesus and telling him that he was a blasphemer. But then there were others like the guy in this story who came up to Jesus in a more subtle way. So he was, he was acting like, like he was actually interested. That's why he asked the question. You know, he comes up to Jesus and he says, he says this, he says, what must I do to inherit life? Which was a ridiculous question for, for an expert in the law to ask in the sense that the, the answer to that question was obvious. It was so obvious. So he was sort of trying to set Jesus up, like almost like like they were playing chess, and he was like one step ahead. But then Jesus, of course, is five steps ahead all the time. So he kind of, so Jesus kind of goes with it a little bit, and he answers. He answers. He says, "Okay, well, what's written in the law?" Jesus says to him, "What's written in, in the law? How do you read it?" Which meant, which meant. Not what does it say. It it was, he was saying, how do you read it, which is what we were talking about earlier. I don't care that you can just quote what it says because I know what you're going to say. Do you understand what it means? Do you know the essence of it? How do you read it? How do you interpret it? Which is what Jesus cares about. And then he answers the obvious Answered it. You know, a lot of the people. He says, "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself." So again, he didn't answer Jesus' question. So he didn't answer how he interpreted it. He answered what the law said, and this was the big downfall of the Pharisees. You see, the Pharisees, you know, they had they had the the, the Old Testament, the five first books of the law, the Torah, the Tanakh. They had it memorized. But it's so sad because they would have it memorized, but they didn't understand it. And that's why Jesus would go after him. He would say, how do you interpret it? Like, like, are you seeing what it's really saying? Like those chocolates, are you thinking that it's chocolates? Or do you really see what it is that the Bible is saying? So they were perfect examples of those who would look without, without seeing, and they would listen without actually hearing. And so Jesus says, he answers him because he just, you know, quoted the scripture. He says, well, do this and you will live, which was kind of an insult to him because, he, because he, he didn't say continue doing this and you will live. He said, do this and you will live, which implied that he wasn't doing it. And so he's offended and he, he you know, the Bible says he tried to justify himself. Um, and then he asked this question, which was the question that he thought he was setting Jesus up for. But in reality, Jesus wanted to know this answer to the question so that then he could go into the story. See, Jesus is always five steps ahead. And so he, he, he asked the question that he wanted to ask. And it's the question that I want us to ask ourselves today. He says, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? Right? Right. Which is a very interesting question because from his perspective, um, you know, some of you may not know this, but, but in the, the, the Jewish culture had and has 6, 613 laws. So the Ten Commandments weren't enough. They had to specify what each law meant in its different context. And so they came up with 613 laws. And one of the laws says, and I quote, to love all human beings who are not of the covenant. You see, the question this lawyer was asking Jesus was along those lines, because the law would say that we are to help and love only people who are of our Jewish community. And everyone else is out, so we're off the hook for helping others. And so he wanted to know Jesus's answer. Who are we supposed to love? Because the law says or our interpretation of the law says that we should love those who are in our circle and those who are outside. We're off the hook from helping. So he's putting Jesus on the spot and he's saying, Jesus, do you agree or do you disagree? And that's when Jesus goes into this beautiful parable. It's such a beautiful parable. And it's so counterintuitive because I noticed something that I had never noticed before when I was studying this. Is that in the parable, I, from my perspective, like if I was teaching, I would, I would have done a, a different parable. I would have said something to the effect of there was a Samaritan who had gotten beaten up and who was robbed. And then there was a teacher of the law that, that walked by and didn't do anything. And then there was a perfect stranger who went and helped the Samaritan, which the application to that would have been simple you know, the teachers of the law would have felt bad. They're like, yeah, we should really help the Samaritans, and it would make sense. But Jesus does something completely different, and it's surprising to me, and I hadn't noticed it, is that he didn't do what they assumed that, that you know, a story would be sort of self-explanatory, where you put the Samaritan, which they hated for a thousand, no, not, sorry, almost a thousand years, 900 years, because of the history that they had. You know, after Solomon, there was you know, the divided kingdom. And then there was this rivalry between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And Samaritans were outside of the promise or outside of the covenant from the perspective of the Jewish culture. And so what, what they wanted to know was, is this Okay. This thing that we've had, that we've held on for so many years, are you saying that this is not okay? Because I, like, I feel like it's not okay. Like you're trying to tell me that, that we should love Samaritans, which we've never loved them. We've always kept them as outsiders because they're not part of the covenant. Should we or should we not continue in this mindset? And so it's so great that he, he takes the Samaritan and he, and he raises the um, authority or he raises the uh, status of Samaritans. And he puts him as the hero of the story. And this was scandalous. Like, they would have heard this and they'd be like, what? Like, he's the Superman here? Like, he's the one saving everybody? It would be like like you and I hearing about someone who we just dislike so much. And someone's talking about him like he's this big hero. It would kind of mess with our head. But he goes on and Jesus not only, not only says he was the good guy, but he says, and he put bandages on him and he poured oil on his body and he put him on his own donkey and he put him in an inn. And then he gave the innkeeper two denarii, which was actually the price of 20. So one denarii was 10 donkeys and two denarii was 20 donkeys. So I don't know what a donkey cost, but whatever it is, you know, it was, I think it was a lot of money. And then he says, and when I come back, if you spend any more, I'm going to pay. So he was raising the status of the Samaritans to an an uncomfortable position. What was he doing? He was messing with their mindset. He was reframing the way they understood who their neighbor was. Remember, we talked about this in the past weeks that from the Jewish perspective, uh, at least as it came to relating to others, everything was binary. Either you were in or you were out. Either you were good or you were bad. And and this, this rivalry that they've had for so long, it was... Imagine 900 years of rivalry and Jesus was messing with all of this. He's saying, "Actually, those guys that you thought were outsiders, actually they're your neighbor. They're, they're 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 your neighbor. And they're just as human and just as and have just as many feelings as any of you do." You see, they mess, Jesus messed with their world view. And here's the thing about the question. Back to the question, "Who is my neighbor?" Asking the question who is my neighbor, is actually the wrong question. He asked the wrong question. Because the question assumes that you're asking, who am I supposed to be there for? Who am I supposed to be there for? Who am I supposed to help? Uh, Right? Or most importantly, who am I off the hook from helping? Who are our people? And who are the outsiders? You see, the question, who is my neighbor's, who is my neighbor, is really a question that this teacher of the law or this expert in the law was presenting before Jesus. But what he was really asking is, will you or will you not justify our hatred toward the Samaritans? Such an important question. Because he was asking, we can still block out Samaritans, right? We've been doing it for such a long time. We can still continue doing it, right? This is what Jesus does. He does it over and over again. He raises the status of the outsiders. He did it with Samaritans. He did it with women. He did it with children. He did it with sinners. He did it with lepers. Those whom everyone assumed that were out, Jesus would say, no, 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 actually they're in. They're they're your brother and sister. They're they're actually your your neighbor, right? They're, they're, They're part of the family. As well, he's saying this thing is no longer binary. It's not who's in, is who's out, who's bad and who's good, who's a Jew, who's a Gentile, who's a slave, who's a free, who's a man, who's a woman. No, 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 no. What Jesus would do is he would broaden. He would broaden the fence, and, and just when you thought that it was that okay, so this is the limit, right? He said, no, no. no actually, it's, it's further out. It's further out. Okay, so that's the limit now. He said, no, 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 no. Actually, it's it's actually further out than you thought it was. He does this over and over again. And that's why people got uncomfortable. and, And you will excuse me, but it's possible that that will make you uncomfortable as well. It's possible. You see, we are in this together. And this pandemic just makes it even more obvious that we're No one is outside of this pandemic. We're all part of it in a way. You see, Jesus calls this, this this whole idea, he calls it the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. And, and, And in the kingdom of heaven, he brings the kingdom of heaven. He talks about the kingdom of heaven being among us. It's here, it's with us, it's imminent. It's an upside down kingdom, it's counterintuitive. You know, in this kingdom, Those who are first are last. You have to die to live. The weak are strong. You give to receive. It's this upside down thing to where, oh, we thought it was this way. No, actually it's the opposite way. He flips the story for them when he puts the Samaritan first. He raises his status. You see, in the kingdom of heaven, when Jesus is preaching, over and over again, things aren't always what they seem. You see, the question who is my neighbor is the wrong question. I, I, I'm, I'm going to say it again. Because it assumes limits for us even as we think about it. The, okay, so we're in and those are out. But who's out? No, no, actually he's in, we're out. You've got to do this to be in and out. Who's in, who's out? Well, he's actually breaking down all those walls. And he's saying actually we're in this together. He speaks very clearly about this on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to read through it uh, real quick. It's just a few verses. It says this. You have heard it said... So so this is your normal understanding. This is how you see it. You have heard it said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. In other words, you have heard it said that that those are out and these guys are in. You've heard that said, right? Okay. But I tell you, this is Jesus interpreting the law. He's telling us what it really means as opposed to what we assume it might mean. So he says, but I tell you, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who who persecute you, that you may be children of your father in heaven. He causes his son. Listen to this. This is so important. He causes his son, his son, not talking about Jesus. He's talking about the literal son. He he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love those who love you, what reward will you get? Are not even the tax collectors doing this? And if you greet only your own people, what are you doing more than others? Do not even pagans do that. This is so important. This is the kingdom way. This is the kingdom that Jesus is ushering in. So the question is no longer, who's my neighbor? It's no longer who's my neighbor. It's not about about, of all the people that I know. Who are the people that are fit? For me to be a neighbor to? Who qualifies for me to be a neighbor to them? According to Jesus, the 8 billion people on this earth, they are all our neighbors. You see, the question isn't who is my neighbor? The question is who are you willing to be a neighbor to? You see, we put these limits not Jesus. Who are you willing to be a neighbor to? The rich, poor? Where are you putting your fence? Ethnicity, gender, lifestyle, sexual orientation, political inclination? Where is it for you? Because I think we all have our struggles with this. You see the scripture we just read On the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, it's easy to love those who are just like us. It's easy. So if we love those who are just like that, what's the big accomplishment? In fact, he goes even further. That's why it makes us so uncomfortable when we talk about this Samaritan guy who was such a good guy and so helpful to this perfect stranger. See, being a neighbor isn't just tolerating. It's, it, it means caring for, it means providing, it means helping, it means going the extra mile for even a perfect stranger that we don't even know. And you may say, this is just too hard. Well, that's the point. That's how we're supposed to make the difference. You see, maybe there's a Samaritan in your life. Maybe you have a Samaritan in your life and you feel like, like you're entitled. And I'm, I promise you, I'm not judging because I, I, this is something we're, we're going through together you feel like it's your right to block this person out of your life because they've wronged you, there's some injustice that's happened, some sort of history, something that they do that you don't agree with. You're like, you know what, I'm just going to block this person out because it's so much easier. And maybe your situation is is much deeper. Maybe it's just, it's it's a deep hurt that you have. And it's possible, and I don't by any means want to uh, downplay your situation. But this story, in my opinion explains clearly how we are to operate you know maybe you're not ready to hey let's go back to how things were with all these people who have hurt you No, no but the but the first step is forgiveness that's step number one is forgiveness you know when I do counseling one of the big things that I have to deal with with many people is the issue of forgiveness because it's easy to say the words yeah I forgive I forgive that person you know, but the Bible teaches We're just reading at the Sermon on the Mount. He, Jesus is saying, he's saying, pray for your enemies. And so, when somebody says, yeah, I, forg- I forgave him, there's something in their eyes that tells me you didn't, you haven't really forgiven them yet. And so, here's what I do. I, I'll tell them, let's, let's, let's. Uh, I want you to pray for this person. And if the person says no, it's because they haven't forgiven him yet. You see, it's hard. It's hard. You see, we have to go the extra mile. That's why Jesus explains all the things that this Samaritan guy did for this perfect stranger to explain to us that this is how we are supposed to be with the people around us. I'm not saying it's easy, but if it was easy, it wouldn't be meaningful and we wouldn't be the difference. You see, this is the challenge. Because maybe... Maybe some of us are like the lawyer, and we're asking the question, who is my neighbor? Well, that's the wrong question. We're asking, who am I basically off the hook for forgiving? No. Peter asked Jesus, remember, hey, how many times am I supposed to forgive uh, that person who wronged me? Up to seven times? And Jesus is like, nope, 70 times seven, which seven is the number of completion, which means he's not saying, because if you add it up, 70 times 7 is, 4, is 490. So I'm supposed to, I'm going to count, so I'm at 489. He's got one left. That's not what he means. What he means is there is no limit for the amount of times that you are to forgive the person who wrongs you. you see, maybe there's someone in your life right now that you need to forgive Maybe there's that Samaritan in your life that you feel like you are justified to just leave them out of your life. And Jesus, I believe, is calling you to do something about that. And I'm going I'm to close with this. There's a story that I heard about, and it's this woman. She was, I think, in her 40s, and she had grown up in a situation where her dad had abused her for many, many years, and she was able to get out of that situation and, you know, have her own life and everything. And then her dad was left alone at the end of his life, and she put it upon herself to take care of him for the last years of his life. Now, when you hear that story, it's a very hard story because she had to help him in a lot of uncomfortable ways as he was, as he was, as he was not able to help himself. And many would describe that like, if, you're, if, if you've never lived that, like a, a horrible situation. But the way she described it was very interesting because she, she said this was actually a cleansing of my soul. Experience that I went through with my dad. You see, when we think about about the Samaritan story, and we think about our story, and we think about those people who we think that we should sort of just push out of our lives because they have wronged us, I can't judge that because I understand that you may be going through pain that is really hard to deal with. But when I look at the story of the Samaritan, and I think about how he approached this guy and went and helped him. He wasn't asking, hey, is this guy my neighbor? Has he wronged me before? Is he my enemy? Do we have a history? He doesn't really deserve my help because I don't know him. No, he just went on. He's like, this guy, I have no idea who he is, but I'm gonna go out of my way to help him. And this is a picture of Jesus. You see, this is a picture of Jesus. Because this Samaritan helped this guy in every way. And when we think about Jesus and we think about what he did for us, not only did he put bandages on our hurts, but he cured us from our sin. Not only did he did He put us in an inn to be able to help us, but he, he is... He is um, preparing a place for us in heaven. Not only did he put oil on our wounds, but he gave his blood to be able to free us from sin. And not only did he put the two denarius like this guy, but he paid the full price for us to be part of his family. You see, Jesus sets the standard for us. And we call ourselves followers of Jesus. And I know it's hard But I believe that as we make these decisions to go out of our way to do things that seem unfair, just like this woman taking care of her dying father who abused her, she describes it as a cleansing of her soul process. Maybe that's something that we should do as well and i don't know what the situation is for you but i want to close with this scripture john 13 starting in verse 34 says this a new command i give you love one another as i have loved you so you must love one another by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another see here's the thing we may know a lot of scriptures we may know them. we could quote them you know just like the pharisees or the experts in the law we know the verses. We know the content. We know what the Bible says, many of us. We know the scriptures. But what does the Bible tell us here? How will they know that you have Jesus' disciple? By the verses that you quote? By the information that you have about God? No. It says, if you love one another. It's by what we do that we change the world. And so I want to encourage you to do this. And I, I'm, I'm going I'm to ask you to take this moment now. We're going to pray. I want to ask you to just close your eyes right now and just this is a moment for you. This is a moment when I want you to think about what you've heard. And if you could just close your eyes right now and maybe hold the hand to the person next to you and, and think about the words that you've heard today. Um, you know, the evidence of what we believe is not in what we know, but in how we live. Because the information is helpful. We learn by hearing messages and reading the Bible. But for, for the outsiders, for people who are watching us, that's just a whisper. That's how, this is how I picture it. The information is just a whisper. But when we actually live out the things that we believe, that becomes a megaphone. And people can hear it, and it becomes so loud and so powerful and so undeniable. You see, this is the kingdom way. This is the kingdom way that Jesus came to usher in, and it's upside down. You die to live. You give to receive. And so as we think about the people in our lives, or maybe there's one person on your heart right now that is just difficult to deal with, I think God is calling you to reach out to that person. And I don't, know, I don't know exactly what that means for you. I don't know if that means a phone call. I don't know if that means that you pray for the person. I don't know what it means. But we are called today to make a difference in the same way that the Samaritan helped this perfect stranger who, from their perspective, Samaritans were outsiders. Christ keeps broadening the, um, the threshold of who he considers our neighbors. And we should do the same. And so I'm going to pray for you right now. Uh, Lord God, thank you for the moments that we share. Thank you for your love and your mercy and your understanding. And thank you, God, because I believe today you have allowed for us to see something that perhaps has always been there, but that now we see it for what it really is. And it makes us uncomfortable. But this is the Jesus way. And I believe that there is a cleansing of our souls when we allow forgiveness to flow through us. I pray, Lord, that we won't take the steps that we need to take. I pray for those who are challenged right now, in the situation where maybe they don't want to forgive or, or they feel justified in excluding certain people from their lives, Lord, I pray that you'll speak to them and that this story will speak to them and that we will understand what you've called us to do. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.